0: Since everyone has a gender journey, Gender Journeys is a podcast for everyone. That being said, we occasionally touch on mature themes and use strong language, so listener discretion is advised. Relevant content warnings can be found in each episode's description. Welcome back to Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I'm joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Hey, y'all. All right. So what are we talking about on the podcast this week?
1: We are talking about a subject that is near and dear to my heart and pretty personal and vulnerable, so that'll be fun, which is... Autism and Audi genders. Okay. Yeah. All right. And neurogenders, I believe, is like kind of the overarching term.
0: Mm-hmm. Neurogenders, to my understanding, is the umbrella term under which Audi gender falls. Yeah, I don't
1: know any other labels that fall under it. Like the names of them, though, I can guess.
0: <laughs> I know one that I read about was like, adhd gender which
1: that doesn't have a cool name like audi gender that's all i'm saying that
0: was what it was on the gender wiki okay we'll allow it Mm -hmm. i suppose gender fog and gender fog and gender vague are technically
1: oh are those under Mm -hmm. Uh, our genders yeah apparently
0: according to the article that i read so there are a couple different ones but we're going to today be focusing specifically on audi gender right and Did you want to touch on why this topic is kind of personal? Maybe talk about that a little bit here?
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, I guess I should say first, I do not identify as having an gender. Mm -hmm. However, I have recently been exploring my quote-unquote relationship with autism, which is what I called it before I was comfortable saying that I am autistic, Mm -hmm. which is something that I'm discovering, something that I suspected for many many years and i think the people around me perhaps suspected for mm-hmm. many many years yeah um but weren't willing to say things because of internalized ableism and like right. ooh, it's mean if you say that maybe somebody has a neurodiversity but i've been exploring it with my therapist for like the only thing that i talk to them about two times a week <laughs> for like Four months or so now? <laughs> for a
0: little while now. For a little while now, for sure.
1: Yeah. So that's been something that I've been thinking a lot about. So again, although I do not currently see my gender as an oddy gender, I have a little bit of insight into what it might be like to have an oddy gender.
0: Right, right. And
1: I'm kind of like, I'm kind of personally in this space where I'm like, I just don't know if my. Gender is an Audi gender, if that makes sense.
0: Right. No, I think it does. And I think that, especially as we talk a little bit more about what Audi gender and neurogenders in general mean, mm-hmm. that statement will make more sense as well. Yeah, that's fair. Right.
1: So, I guess a couple of like, first off, before we even get to the gender stuff definitions autism is a spectrum. Asperger's is no longer a um, term that is used. Although if you have an image of what Asperger's looks like in your head, that's going to probably be more what I'm like than an image you might have of autism, quote unquote, in your head. Mm -hmm. But Asperger's is definitely not. It's no longer in the DSM. Then neurodivergency is a word that kind of sums up different ways of thinking autism being one of them like your mm-hmm. brain processes information differently autism is kind of like the 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 archetypal yeah it's like the main when you think of neurodiversity mm-hmm. i think most people generally think of autism yeah. and if it's not autism it's adhd that's going to be the first thing that comes to mind mm-hmm. But there are other, um, I know that some people have, have thought, of, I've heard people name dyslexia as a way, as a neurodiversity, mm-hmm. although learning disabilities are not always considered neurodiversities. Um, mm-hmm. I've also heard some people that think just like anything in the DSM, like any mental illness counts as a neurodiversity because it changes the way you think. Mm-hmm. I
0: know um, that um, bipolar disorder is a big one. That bipolar, definitely. About.
1: OCD is another really mm-hmm. big one. Mm-hmm. Um, there
0: was an OCD gender had a cuter name than that i think
1: I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then like i when you get into like anxiety and depression like can those also be neurodiversities i think it gets a little bit more like
0: a little murkier as to what is causing that right
1: and like if you have like if you've had major depressive disorder constantly since you were three maybe you more think of that as a neurodiversity whereas if like when you were 27 you started a new job and it triggered a depressive episode for a couple of years that's a very different like i think that the thing about neurodiversity is that your neurodiversity is it cannot be separated from you as a person Right. Like, you as a person can very much be separated from your depression. For most people, they would appreciate you not seeing them as their depression. However, especially for people who are autistic, it can actually be insulting to not see their autism as part of them.
0: Mm. Because it fundamentally changes how they interact with the world.
1: Right, exactly. And because it is part of them and trying to separate it out is rude. Because, like, unlike depression, I don't know a lot of people who can, like, say their depression has upsides autism definitely has like actual upsides it's not a worse way of thinking or experiencing the world it's literally just a different way of thinking about and experiencing the world right. that has a lot of upsides i mean there's all the statistics about how like all of the like makers and changers and mm-hmm. like the scientific community have since forever probably been autistic
0: <laughs> and also the fact that a lot of the things that are considered like deficits or detriments to especially uh, autistic folks with lower support needs mm-hmm. are really just that our society is built around neurotypical people and isn't very kind. Yeah, so that's the thing don't... is
1: a lot of the downsides that come from autism come from ableism not actually autism. Where again just I'm using depression as the counter example because like I've experienced depression so I feel like I can speak on it a little bit more easily. Mm-hmm. Like the downsides that I experienced from depression, definitely there was ableism involved, but a lot of it was also just like the depression. Which right. isn't to say that like autism doesn't have any of its own downsides. Like, I very nearly had a meltdown this morning and it wasn't fun. Right. <laughs> um but, but it's it's, it's like it's, more balanced. It's
0: linked to how your brain works. Mm-hmm. And like to change those aspects would quite possibly be changing the fundamental building blocks of your brain. Well, but, like,
1: depression is also linked to how your brain works. That's true. But it's more linked to, like, how the entirety of your brain works. Right. Like, it's not, like, just my, like, pleasure systems that are offline, as it often is simplified to being in depression. Mm-hmm. Um But, like, the entirety, like, I'm still experiencing things in an autistic way when I'm happy or when I'm having a good time or when I'm not thinking about my autism right. or when I'm not really experiencing it quite as dramatically. But yeah, so mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's complicated.
0: I think that uh, probably a good way to maybe look at this going forward so we don't get too bogged down in the details of what technically a neurodivergency is. Which
1: I get bogged down in constantly. That's like 90%, not nine. that's like, that's a significant amount of the therapy time though.
0: Is <laughs> <laughs> just by saying that like, To me, based on what you've told me of it, the neurodiversity label functions in a similar way to the queer label, where, like, it's probably more expansive than you can even imagine.
1: Basically, also, if you see your mental illness or developmental disability, which autism is technically a developmental disability, not Mm. a mental illness, If you see either of those as an identity that you would rather be accommodated rather than eradicated from your being, like Mm. if you would rather this difference in yourself be accommodated, not cured then you probably would find community in the neurodiversity label. Whereas again, I keep using depression. And that's not to say that some people with depression wouldn't identify as neurodiverse or couldn't. That's not what I'm trying to say. I just keep using it because like generally the main things of depression, not being able to experience joy, feeling hopeless, feeling sad, those are things that you would want cured. You wouldn't want somebody to like make you hot tea every single day of your life and not make you go to work that's accommodating it might help your depression but at the end of the day you'd still also want it cured <laughs> mm-hmm. right. whereas i think most people with autism would just want the accommodations they don't actually want the way their brain works to change
0: right that and i think sense. a lot of
1: people other than, under the neurodiversity flag are more on that like i just want the world to more, be more accommodating i don't actually think i need to change i think the way my brain functions is beautiful or whatever
0: right that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense and i was actually just gonna point out that it, on the gender wiki page about neurogenders, there is one for depression, although I can't remember the name of it. Mm. I can't remember the name of a lot of these, apparently. But moving into that then, what is a uh, neurogender? What does neurogender mean?
1: So I think it's good that we did the whole deep dive into neurodiversity because this is intricately related. So I think, again, as we just talked about in neurodiversity, if you identify as neurodiverse, that likely means that you think of your mental illness or developmental disability as a part of you. It's a part of mm-hmm. you. It's Maybe it's not your favorite part. We all have, like, more and less favorite parts of ourselves, but it's a part of you that, like, you wouldn't want taken away in the same way that, like, maybe, you know, like – your toes aren't shaped perfectly. You don't love the way your toes are shaped, but you still don't want somebody to take your foot away. Right. <laughs> you know, like it's still like part of you. Like I don't love having meltdowns, but like I still wouldn't want somebody to change the way my brain works. Right. <laughs> Similarly for neurogenders, neurogender just means that somebody's conception of their gender is tied up in their neurodiversity mm-hmm. and is inextricably linked to their neurodiversity in a way that changes their conception Mm -hmm. of it
0: right and critically on that because this is i I just wrote a couple of blog posts about writing characters with neurogenders check them out if you're interested they're on my website the key thing that a lot of people apparently miss in the discourse around these is Mm -hmm. that neurogenders by and large are adjectives they describe a gender they are not themselves a gender identity right so like we're gonna talk a little bit more about autigender specifically here in a moment, but autigender gender is not autism is your gender. Mm-hmm. It is how autism affects your gender. Am I Although I on think that? It, I
1: think especially for AFAB autistic people who mm-hmm. identify as non binary. Mm. So maybe I'm just biased because <laughs> to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how, how do you mean by that? Explain like, give me a little So more like on for
1: that. autism specifically, outside of gender dialogue. So now like Y'all know I'm getting my master's in counseling. I'm writing a 15-page paper on autism because I decided that I wanted to make my personal problems my professor's problems. So I'm doing a, <laughs> lot, of, <laughs> I'm doing a lot of like actual um, study on autism in addition to my two hours a week with my therapist talking about my personal autism.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So outside of the gender journeys world, a very, very, very common trait amongst afab autistic older people but but it happened in their childhood but it's usually people who are remembering this because we don't catch afab autistic people when they're children mm-hmm. it's a problem i'm not going to dive into it <laughs> <laughs> but a very common like um it's not really a symptom but i guess in Experience? this context yeah in this contest would be it'd be counted as a symptom because it's in, like a checklist for autism ah. but it's for young girls afab people to not like girly clothes, want to hang out with the boys, often have very few, if any, female friends, and just generally be much more, like, Mm -hmm. tomboy-esque. Like, to the point that, like, examining whether or not a child was a tomboy is, like, often part of an assessment for autism, um, because it's so common, and there seems to be... A lot of pieces to this. First off, autistic children, all of them, not great at social cues. You know who is absolutely the worst to people if you are not great at social cues? Young girls. Middle school girls, they are the people who will eat you alive (laughs) if you're not good at social cues. Middle school boys, also true, but to a lesser extent. So, like, part of it could just be, like, compensating for Mm -hmm. their inability to play, like, quote-unquote women's social hierarchy games, of which there are many. Right. Another one is autistic people of all agabs and genders um, tend to have sensory issues, mm-hmm. so they get too much senses, and that often comes across in the clothing that they wear. Right. So not wanting to wear tight clothing, having very specific um, fabric needs are all like pretty standard.
0: I can imagine makeup might get a little unpleasant.
1: Makeup for some people, but the clothing is like an almost universal mm-hmm. experience, okay. and little boys' clothing tends to be much less tight. Tends to come in softer fabrics. Mm-hmm. I, softer, fa- I'm not sure about softer fabrics, but it does tend to be less tight. It tends to less have less sequins on it. it tends mm-hmm. to have less like things mm-hmm. that are gonna be scratchy. So there are some just like <laughs> literal, like scientific reasons that like autism can cause AFAB people to be a little bit more masculine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not necessarily what I think auti gender is, though. So that's mm-hmm. I think that's the point I'm trying to make. Is that is that's something different
0: that's a different thing. that's a
1: different thing that also does happen because mm-hmm. i there is also just like a huge overlap between non-binary people and autistic people mm-hmm. like a huge overlap so sometimes like if you grew up as like a tomboy because of these like physical mm-hmm. needs that you had that you were accounting for especially given that you probably didn't know you were autistic because again we don't catch afab young afab autistic people Again, you can Google that yourself if you want to, but you gotta trust me on it. (laughs) (laughs) Then your gender identity is going to have been formed in a specific way because of your autism. Right. And that doesn't necessarily even mean that, like, that person, this AFAB non binary or this AFAB autistic person we're talking about, doesn't mean they're not a woman. It, they might just be a more masculine woman. They might identify as a tomboy. A tomboy is a gender identity. Get at me, <laughs> or um, Butch, or Butch, or um, whatever. But like, if you literally grow up doing things to compensate for your autism that push you into masculine spaces and masculine appearances,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I would argue that that means your autism and your gender are kind of like inextricably linked. Well, exactly.
0: <laughs> and I think of, I think that that is the. Like definition of aadi gender right? and of neurogenders in as yeah. a broad thing, but like the idea is that some aspect of your identity is you you can't separate it. Like the... well,
1: and so I talked about like the physical things, but I also want to say that like another piece of it mm-hmm. is. So, like, everybody knows autistic people struggle with social cues, right? It's much more complicated than that. I was
0: going to say, it's not quite so cut and dry. I'm not but... going to dive
1: into it. It's much more complicated than that. But what I will say, and this is language that I've just come up with that I think is really good, which is autistic people do not interpret social cues intuitively. Autistic people can often interpret social cues better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they don't do it intuitively. They'll do they we do it in a systematic way. We're like, "Oh, you did this, so this means that because I've learned these rules mm-hmm. as though I studied them in a book." Or in my case, literally in a book because, you know, I've studied psychology and neuroscience. <laughs> <laughs> so, this like concept of these social roles and social cues and social niceties mm-hmm. kind of like exists somewhere else it feels like. In our autistic brains. It's like, "Mm, yeah, I get it. I can play by the rules of this game, eventually, some of us. But it's not intuitive to me. And I think that gender can be a very similar
0: way. Yeah, gender is like the the biggest social cue of them all. Right? Like, it is the overarching social cue that defines all other social cues.
1: Well, in our our In our our
0: society, our culture, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah, so like, at least my understanding of gender is like, just kind of not relating to that based on autism. And then having, I think, to your point, genders are often a descriptor of other genders. Mm-hmm. And often those other genders are non-binary mm-hmm. with some like wild micro labels, lots of like xenogenders in the autism community. Right. Because like, at least people that I've talked to, like online, autistic people I've talked to online are like, I don't get the concept of gender as like man or woman. That's like, that's so simplistic, but like having like a... <laughs> core piece of me that's very related to like water or water is always the one I go for water or clouds
0: you 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 connect with water I do
1: but like that that's connected to something that I can actually look at and Mm -hmm. touch and feel and learn about that makes sense to me Mm -hmm. so like
0: right a lot of a lot of the articles that I read while I was doing the research for my blog posts were by people who identify with the body gender label who are saying that like a big part of their motivation for that is gender feels arbitrary to them. Gender feels kind of pointless. And they're just like, I don't see why this is what I should base my whole identity around. And some of them also came at it from this perspective of like, I actually do agree with the idea that I am a woman, but like what that means to me is fundamentally different from what it means to neurotypical people.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think that my way of coming out honestly is, again, I don't necessarily identify currently as having a naughty gender, but I don't think my coming out was not in line with a naughty gender because mine was literally looking at you with your womanhood and being like, the fuck is this womanhood thing that you feel you mean we're not all just like playing this game that society makes us play with genders and then because i was in like a position like a cultural and Mm -hmm. social position that i could come out as non-binary i was like well that seems much better but i think that's interesting and tied Mm -hmm. to the more audi gender thing that like i also continuously say that like i could have lived my whole life as a woman and like been okay with it
0: right you know it's not critical to me Mm -hmm. it's not critical to me Right, which is very interesting, and I think one of the things that I also found very interesting in this is that neurogenders are completely opt-in. Yeah. Just because you are both non-binary and autistic, like you, l are both non-binary and autistic, does not mean that you are audio. audio
1: Which is super important, because also... Autistic people who have the more, like, standard trans experience of being binary trans, of knowing since they were younger, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. of experiencing, like, strong dysphoria, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The trans experience we don't talk about very much here on Gender Journeys.
0: But extremely valid But talk extreme- about it, You can literally
1: to listen to go it. listen to it on, like, fucking NPR. It's getting popular now. It's fine. You'll find another source for
0: it. Yeah. We did an episode on it. It was entitled True Scums. We did an episode on it. <laughs> True.
1: Okay. But people who have more of that experience and are... T- autistic are often invalidated Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: people are like no you're just autistic you don't like get the rules of it and that's not okay right right audi genders are often like audi genders are often
0: absolutely like
1: autistic people can also understand the concept of gender and certainly their own gender thank you
0: And I think that that actually raises an interesting point to me, which is that like, obviously this is important just because people identify this way. Gender is a beautiful journey that we all embark on. And this is a different path that some people take because they see the world differently. They saw a path through the trees that we couldn't, that I couldn't see, that I just (laughs) could never have seen. Yeah. And that's so cool. And we should talk about it. But also like statistically, the overlap of gender expansive and or trans people with neurodivergent people is like huge it's and
1: specifically i again like i so i also have a pet peeve when people use neurodivergent and autistic interchangeably y'all they're not the same thing and so i want to i want to amend that to the overlap between trans and autistic people Mm -hmm. is absolutely astronomical yes like it is it's huge
0: right and so we can't just sit here and pretend like everything is exactly how I, an allistic trans woman, Mm -hmm. think it is because, like, that's not how the world works for a huge swath of the gender expansive community. Right. And so, like, we should probably talk about it and make sure that we understand, like, these really amazing labels and descriptors people have developed for themselves.
1: Yeah, and that makes me think, like, so like, I I keep saying, and you Mm -hmm. know when I keep saying something that maybe it's needs to be examined, but I keep saying I don't identify with audience genders, but (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, I feel like it was the distance between myself and social roles in general, including mm-hmm. but not limited to gender roles, that distance, which was created by my autism, I feel like was what allowed me, mm-hmm. somebody who'd never met a non-binary person mm-hmm. <laughs> to be like, ah, yes, I think this is it for me. Right. You know, like I think that the way that autistic people, myself included, see the world, regardless of if my gender comes directly from my autism the way I see the world allowed me to name and experience and lean into the way I experience my gender Mm -hmm. and the way I see the world is directly tied to my autism and this is what this is where autism gets like confusing because it's like (laughs) everything about me is going to be related to it
0: right right and like I mean I think that's one of the things that really can like confound and confuse holistic people like me where it's sometimes surprises me as we're learning about this together, like with this journey that you're going on, how far reaching your autism can be and like, what all it can affect in your day to day. And like, I think that's something that a lot of neurotypical people and holistic people struggle to like understand. And this is another facet of that where Mm -hmm. it's like, no, not necessarily that your entire gender is autism, quote unquote, I said air quotes, great for a podcast. (laughs) But the way that you understand your gender identity and the way that you have formed your gender identity and interacted with it throughout your life might have been shaped by your autism.
1: It kind of sometimes is like, what if we had like personality genders where it's like, well, my personality and my gender are linked. So therefore- and I'm like, yeah, but like everything, everything is linked to your personality, to who you are as a person. Right. That's how I feel, at least right now, about my mm-hmm. autism. And I also want to name that, like again, I've been mm-hmm. I've been thinking and wondering and being suspicious of mm-hmm. this for years. But right. I've only been actively examining it for like four months. And like anything that you're newly yeah. obsessed with, of course, literally everything feels like it's about it for me right, right. now. So there's a balance there. But I do I would be interested, I haven't done as much research as Josie has on it, Mm -hmm. but I'd be interested to hear how, like, audi-gender people distinguish how their gender is specifically inextricably linked with their autism, as opposed to just, like, their experiences are inextricably linked (laughs) to their autism, and gender is an experience. So, like, there you go. Or maybe it is what I'm saying, and they're like, but we still need a label for it because the fucking neurotypicals don't get it. (laughs) In which case, I got you. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah, that would make sense. Honestly, I would I think that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. And I, I think one thing from my reading, yeah. That a lot of people who now identify as Audi gender said was a lot of the articles were like, Wow, I found the Tumblr post that coined the term gender, and damn did it resonate with me. Holy crap, is this so like my experience growing up, my experience trying to explain my gender to people, my experience being mystified by other people's genders. Like, yeah. all of that fits into this, like, codifying text, which I now saying is, don't think I actually read the Tumblr books. I think I just read the reactions to it. <laughs> we should go read the Tumblr you post. You probably should. Um,
1: <laughs> Can you imagine if we paused it and I came back and I was like, so I agree with the blogger.
0: <laughs> But yeah, like, it is just such a personal experience, and I think that it's very difficult to tease out exactly what it means and why it is that certain people resonate with it and certain people don't necessarily. Well,
1: people also, and again, like, I'm just zooming in on audi-gender because, mm-hmm. like, neurogender is too big of a category to me. Yeah, um, no, absolutely I agree with that. But for audi-gender, what you just said reminds me also of, like, people also have that issue is just with autism in general. People want it to be a spectrum from high to low functioning, which it is not.
0: No. Nope.
1: <laughs> I actually saw a really beautiful infographic recently that was like, this is what people think of when they think of autism as a spectrum. And then it showed like the light spectrum, like the rainbow quote unquote but the one that's like the light waves. Mm-hmm. And it's like end to end. Um, and then they were like, this is what autism as a spectrum actually is. And it was like kind of a ring chart mm-hmm. with like maybe 12 different like categories Of, like, skills that you can be better or worse at around the outside of it. And then, like, some people are really great at, like, eye contact and yet still have autism because they really can't – just can't fathom theory of mind or can't fathom different things. Right. And so, like, it's not a spectrum in one direction. It's a spectrum in – Many like, 12 dimensions. to 20 directions.
0: Right. Um, and when you throw the big, hot mess that is gender on top of yeah, that. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> what do you expect
1: is going to come out of it? Nothing <laughs> universal. Nothing universal. Um, makes no sense. So, like, it makes sense that it's, like, an incredibly individual experience. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, autism is an incredibly individual mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. Like, genetically, psychologically, like... Mm-hmm. The, like, saying in autism research, like, from a psych standpoint is, like, if you've met an autistic person, you've met one autistic person. Because it's really hard to diagnose because it is such a wide variant. And again, like, a wide variance in multiple axes, not just from high to low functioning.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense.
1: Also, I just, I have to put a plug in because, like, anytime anybody discusses autism anywhere, we should talk about the high and low functioning labels. Mm -hmm. Which we don't use. We don't use. Don't use them. They're harmful, like incredibly harmful, because they they label somebody as either high or low functioning, and then expect them to do that forever. So if you label somebody as low functioning, then you never allow them to reach a fuller potential. And if you label somebody as high functioning, and then you expect them to function at that level when they when they still have autism, <laughs> then eventually they're not going to be high functioning. Right. You just won't see it. They'll have their meltdowns in private because you set your expectations too high. Right. Every everybody has different support need because like in sometimes people just say like high and low support needs because they learned that they weren't supposed to use functioning labels but didn't really change their thinking and that's better we will take that but the idea is that like some people have like really high support needs in terms of like sensory um, Mm -hmm. issues they really need like headphones quiet spaces soft clothes can only wear certain clothes if felt comes near them they will literally throw up that's like a real thing Mm -hmm. um so they'll have really high like sensory support needs but might have really low social cue needs maybe they're pretty good at reading people maybe that's not really as much of a struggle for them
0: yeah
1: some people might have really high like theory of mind needs some people who are autistic might need you to sit down and be like remember i'm a whole person i have my own thoughts and i do need you to like account for that and like, Because they'll forget that. That's theory of mind. They might not be able to hold in their mind that you are a whole another person who has their own
0: thoughts. Right.
1: But maybe they don't have as many sensory issues. They just need headphones every now and then in their Gucci.
0: Right. And that's just, you know, we should be supporting people. Yeah. We should be giving them what they need.
1: So out with the high and low functioning labels In with the specific
0: descriptions of support, support needs. needs. That makes sense. Do I would I'm,
1: just, I can't talk about autism
0: without making that plug. That's a very, I'm so glad you did. I'm very glad you did. that That's very necessary. Um, before we wrap up here, do you want to give a quick little summary of gender, if that is possible? I can such a try. a complex
1: topic. <laughs> if you've met one person with gender, you've met one person with gender. When you meet a second, you'll need to ask them all the same questions to understand again. <laughs> yep, there we go. But in like super broad strokes... It means that somebody's understanding of their gender can't be detangled from their experience of their autism.
0: That makes a lot of sense. In
1: whatever way that happened for them, whether or not that's their childhood growing up a little bit more masculinized, their adulthood experiences, their detachment from social cues, their over-attachment to social cues, who knows?
0: Who knows? (laughs) But something like that. Alright, that's where we're going to wrap it up this week on Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I'm joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Al. Bye, y'all. And until next time, just keep thinking about it. Music for Gender Journeys, composed by Sonia Berdash. If you want to stay up to date with Gender Journeys episodes, or just want to say hi, you can follow us on Twitter at gender underscore journeys, or on Tumblr at genderjourneys.tumblr.com. You can also find us online at josywritescom genderjourneys. We hope to hear from you soon.